walking out. It was a six k walk out, and it was it was hot, and it was uphill for a lot of the way, and it was pretty horrendous because you knew you weren't going to anywhere beautiful. You were just trying to get out. He watched yeah. his house explode on the news at the pub. Oh my god! Surrounded by his local community, his entire life has just gone up in smoke. Because Pell is such a powerful personality and a powerful person. People get sucked into sort of the political debate, but then you watch something like last night and you just remember it's people's lives that have been and ruined. That's the thing I think most older Australian sports fans can't No realize. tennis manners what it, it's, so it's the fact that he pulls yeah. out of games when he realises he can't win. But when that, are we going to stop and realise that he's not going to get better? I've never barracked against any Australian sportsman until Curious. A man came up and said, my girlfriend loves op shops and I want to propose to her in your op shop today. <laughs> no. no, I'm Romance of the Op Shop. Romance of the Op Shop. Don't shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. And welcome, everybody, to episode 75 of Don't Shoot the Messenger, three quarters of a century, ladies. Can you believe it? The two ladies you're going to be hearing today are not the voice of my fellow podcaster, Corrie Perkin. She's in regions Western Victoria for her son's wedding. I'll be seeing her there later in the week, but she's very busy with the CWA getting everything ready for what is going to be a very large occasion. I'm joined instead by my daughter, Rose Donahue. Welcome, Rose. Hi. Hi, Mum. Thanks for having me back. And Anna Barry, a.k.a. Anna from the Op Shop, as she is known to be called every time she runs into people these days. Hello, Anna. Hello, Caro. Good morning, Rose. Good morning, Miss Jane. And apologies for the very croaky voice, not in showroom condition. Oh, you sound fabulous. <laughs> um, look, it's been a bit of a sweet week. We're going to talk about George Pell, which has obviously dominated headlines ever since uh, Corey and I spoke around a week ago. We're going to continue with some op shop tales from Anna. We've got an interesting question about Ball, uh, Julie Bishop in Six Quick Questions, and Rose and I had a rather dramatic weekend. But um, before we start, an apology from Corey. She wants to say she's very sorry, and I probably should have picked her up up on this for referring repeatedly to Julie Bishop in her outrage against the Australian newspaper's headline a couple of weeks ago as a Deputy Prime Minister. Of course, she was the Deputy Liberal Leader, not the Deputy Prime Minister, because that task falls to the Leader of the National Party. She was not happy with a click of her heels, her place is back home. I felt that that was quite a good play on words. CRM on Instagram agreed with Corrie. Um, yes, I agree with Corrie. The photo's all about the legs and not sure the headline is great either. Fox Space Alpha on Instra says they generally agree with me on feminist issues, but on this case, <laughs> unusually, he agrees with Corrie. But Pauline Arnell says, Corrie, I think they got your hook, line and sinker with that one. Just a clever play on words, fake outrage. So... There we go. That was Julie Bishop. So uh, before we get into it, and I'm looking forward to BSF because both Anna and Rose have a book for me. Anna's seen another dud film, which is a bit disappointing. Dreadful. And Anna's got a fabulous recipe and they're always fabulous. Rose, the Donahue hike. You took Brendan and I to Wilson's Prom on the weekend. Very hot weather. I said to Corrie, I'm going to do something every month that I've never done before. And this was my overnight camping and going to Wilson's prom. Well, this was something neither of us have done before, as it ended up being evacuated mid-hike from Wilson's Promontory due to what is now a pretty big bushfire. I checked it yesterday and it's now 200 hectares. Yeah, it was um, an unusual situation and it did get a little bit panicky. Well, I got a little bit panicked towards the end because... um, We'd, Anna, we'd walk 12Ks and it was pretty hot, but it was beautiful. And we'd been on this beautiful beach and had our morning coffee and Rose had had a swim. And the ironically, well, strangely named Fire Trail was a 5K <laughs> walk to the other coast that we were getting to. We'd smelt smoke when we started the walk, but there were no warnings or anything like that. And the temperature, they said, was going to be not get to the um, early 30s until mid-afternoon. And we were going to be at our destination by then. And you're carrying... Everything turtle-like on your back. Everything. Your Rose, Rose had packed us head torches and mm. she had this special suction coffee maker she had. Rose. We, we had all our <laughs> the great out, press. Two, the great days, outdoors. two days of food, sleeping bags, one of which we ditched at the start of the hike because the packs were quite heavy and we realised we weren't going to need probably sleep sleeping no. bags for all of us. But for all um, my worries, you and Dad were going so well and I had been concerned that Dad might sort of be stoic for 10 kilometres and then suddenly spontaneously collapse <laughs> and we'd have to drag him back to the start of the hike. But we were 12 k's in. 
it was about 11am and we were sort of powering to the finish line and a management vehicle came up to us and this woman said very calmly, look, we are evacuating the entire park, so you'll just have to start making your way out. And um, Pretty frightening. The entire of Wilson's Prom was evacuated and it will be closed this long weekend, so that's a bit sad for um, a lot of people who have no doubt planned their long weekend around a nice weekend at the prom. Is that because they're still... Spot fires. It's well, huge. It's, it's, now, still, it's now a big fire. It's a massive fire. So it's all joined up. and Which yeah. is, so, so, you know, drive, walking out, it was a 6K walk out and it was, it was hot and it was uphill for a lot of the way and it was pretty horrendous because you knew you weren't going to anywhere beautiful. You were just trying to get out. It was and not enjoyable. And I made enjoyable. the mistake, which I now, uh, I'm sorry about mum, of starting to talk about um, Chloe Ho- Kate Hooper. Chloe Hooper's, Chloe Hooper's book, Hooper's The Arsonist. Great new book, The Are Arsonist. You joking? To your mother. And, well, Ro- and Rose, Rose, Rose says, oh um, you know, it, it was funny. You know, there was this bit where everything was fine one minute. The next minute the sky was black and people were dead. And I'm That's going, what oh. And, I, and then Rose. I sort of walked off and didn't realise that I'd left Dad to look after Mum, who had a bit of a dizzy spell slash maybe a bit of a panic attack walking slash up this turn. hill in 30-degree weather, worried the, about a fire coming towards because, us. With a pack. Because I knew we had to walk quickly and the hill was getting steeper and steeper and Rose kept saying it's just around the next corner. Well, it was the longest three uphill 3K. I have ever done. Anyway, other people have had much worse experiences than us. And Anna, I will say, you and I were lucky enough to go to Corsica a few years ago. The beaches reminded me of Corsica, the clear water, the beautiful greens. It was one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. Well, you're going to have to get back, both all three of you, and Chris and I are dying to go too. He's confessed he's never been. We'll make it a group trip, and I'm glad you liked what you saw of it. We did, mm. and thank you for all your efforts. It was a bit sad unpacking all the packs, though, when we when we got back home. But it does go to show, doesn't it, or illustrate how one minute you're fine and the next minute you think, oh, my God, this is how people get stuck in terrible yeah. natural disasters because they think they're going to be okay. Yeah. And, and not being a camper, and this is by way, and, Rose, I know you've got a good local tip later, but that coffee machine, I'm still fascinated by how <laughs> Mom, it works. it's not for camping. People <laughs> use that every morning. It's called an AeroPress. Have but, you ever used the AeroPress? No, but you took it on the camping trip. What, you pack the sleeping bag, well, the ground sheet. Light, it's quite light and it sort tiny. of uses air to press the, the coffee through the filter. So it's it's perfect to use on the go. But people use that in their kitchens. Mum, come over I, to the north side of Melbourne. They're everywhere. Never, never heard of it. Never has a coffee tasted so good. <laughs> Annoyingly, Rose said at this beautiful beach Oberon Bay, I'm going to have a swim. And we said, no, look, we'll save our swim till we get to our destination. Not to be. So we never actually... So, you never actually swum in the beautiful waters no. of the prom. No, and it was the most the, – the start of the uh, walk is a place called Tidal River, and I said, oh, this is nice enough. Why can't we just stay here? And Rose <laughs> said, I've never seen it look more beautiful. There were people swimming, surfing. Mm. It was it was a spectacular morning. Yeah. Um, Anna, you had, a, you had a friend who had a terrible experience over the weekend. Yes. Actually, it's a friend, a great friend of my sister and brother-in-law's, Andrew Clark, who had Jinx Creek Winery. In the um, oh, he was on the front page of the newspaper. He watched yeah. his house explode on the news at the pub. Oh my god! Surrounded by his local community, he was actually interviewed by Neil Mitchell yesterday. I mean, his entire life has just gone up in smoke. He planted the first vine in 1979, wow. so this has been his whole life work. His wife had an art gallery there. You could go and stay. You know, it had a cellar door, bed and breakfast, homemade pizzas. Like, he just doesn't know, obviously, what he's going to do. I mean, he's in a... So he was the one who was very critical of um, the National Park, um, Victorian Parks. He was particularly critical. He, on Neil Mitchell, he was talking about, to Neil about the Royal Commission into the whole bushfire situation and why the National Parks hadn't burnt off. He had contacted the National Park Management and said, please burn off in spring, autumn... Because he's just said it was a tinderbox, and they all knew it was a tinderbox. His place was next to Mark Knight's place, and Mark Knight saved his place with his two sons. But Andrews has just gone up in oh. smoke. That's oh, bad if people were warning them. Oh, people! Andrew said he had been vigilant. He'd been ringing up, saying, "Please come and burn off, clear." Mm. You know, there's all this dead stuff. We need to do better fire management. Yeah, and yep. now look what's happened. You well, you read. You pointed me out to that article by Richard Flanagan. Was it in the Guardian or the Saturday paper? It was in the Guardian, I think, about yep. a month ago. It was an amazing article, very depressing and beautifully written, um, just about Tasmania and how it's been, well, how it was ruined by those fires earlier 
this year and just how that's going to be the norm now. And people have been warned for, for decades. But, um, and it's especially about scary. Off, about better management well, of... Well, about, yes, but no, about climate change and how it's going to feed more fires and specifically um, dry lightning strikes. There's going to be lots more dry lightning strikes because of climate change, apparently, and that's what caused the fires in the prom on the weekend. And they said there were more forecasts for the weekend, and that's why they wanted people to get out. Uh-huh. Scary. Well, yeah, and people were taken out by boat, according to um, by the time we got home on Saturday night in the news. So, so what they were found on a beach. And well, because had that, to... we were just like, well, we were lucky. We were at the end of this fire trail where a car could actually come down. Yeah. I mean, I'd made nearly... your way into the camping area where you can only walk in. But could there have been people in the prom itself just, you know, lost? Well, I, I think doing the, stuff, or would everyone have got out? As long as you, as long as you book properly and leave the thing on your car saying, you know, this is where I am, then they know basically where you, where you where are. You'll be. It, it yeah. is, it's very organised. I mean, it's mm. a long way in. Like when you get to Fish Creek, where we stayed in a rather interesting hotel room. I <laughs> love Creek, fish, AKA no, Faulty Towers. Your Fish Creek Insta looked fabulous. I wanted to get there. Yeah, no. Great fish burger at Fish Creek. And the author Alison Lester has her own shop and gallery at Fish Creek. The woman who wrote Magic Beach. One of our favourite yeah. children's books. If Anna. that's not a reason for going, I'm still obsessed with Alison Lester all these years on. Now, of course, George Pell being found guilty um, on several counts of child sex abuse, um, a decision made last year, released last week. We've all emerged from a rather gruelling Monday night on the ABC, whereby um, Media Watch covered it. Obviously, Four Corners did a very in-depth report involving Louise Milligan, whose book, according to Corrie, has just gone gangbusters, which, of course, was suppressed because of the cases, has gone gangbusters at her shop and other shops, and there's going to be a new edition come out very soon. Um, It's called Cardinal. Um, But, of course, and then Q&A... investigated this whole topic and the trauma for victims, for Catholics, for so many people involved in this horrific story. Um, you two, under my instructions, both watch Four <laughs> Corners. Um, where, where did you come out of it, Anna? Oh, it was fairly gruelling viewing, wasn't it, Rose? I mean, Absolutely. You just had a knot in the pit of your stomach from the moment Louise made her introduction and it was so methodical the way she went through it. So you just you just felt that you were there as the case just unfolded. Mm. And they had amazing footage too of Pell in his initial interview um, before, With the he's, police. before he's charged um, by police. Where he's sort of outraged. And, mm. and he's just listening. I think he's listening to the allegations for the first time and going, what rubbish, what rot, mm. what rubbish. But I, I thought the most affecting thing for me was after a week of, you know, reading every newspaper with extensive coverage and it's become so political, um, so politicised, you know, who's standing up for Pell, should John Howard, a former Prime Minister, give character evidence. And then you see one of those men last night who had accused Pell of um, assaulting him in the pool when he was a kid and he just said, he said, look, to be honest, I don't really like living and that just made me cry because... You know, if you forget about all the political stuff. Here's a man who said, I don't really like living, to be honest, and I'm not going to um, kill myself because I care about my kids, but and I'll just keep battling on and I don't I don't really like living. And his brother had committed suicide, that that man. And what about the so other So this was guy? a Ballarat pool and this was the other case which meant the, These the were case the, yeah. we're talking about was suppressed. And those yeah. charges, in fact, were thrown out. Yeah. Well, they interviewed two of the Ballarat pool Victims, one who's now dead, and that was he was really sad too. He just it had was clearly been very messed up. Yeah, by I mean, it. just the victims and the victims' families. I mean, that's what gets you with Pell. I, I mean, John Howard, I, I, I'm an outrage, but mm. I don't Bolt, really I mean, care. whatever, no. because you know, I just think, but Bolt's isn't it, isn't it funny that it? it's almost been divided on political lines? In, well, in it has yes. become that because because Pell is such a powerful personality and, and a powerful person. Um, people get sucked into sort of the political debate of, you know, whether, you know, the, the court should be the final law and should, you know, John Sylvester be writing about whether or not he should have been found guilty. And But then you watch something like last night and you just remember it's people's lives that have been and ruined. Their yeah. families and... Can you imagine that you have never had a proper functioning life, a proper functioning relationship, work, career, anything, because of something that happened to you as – I mean, those boys looked about eight in the pool. 
when you saw their school photo. And he was a predator. There's just no bones about it. Mm. It was really revolting. He abused, obviously, his position of power. And it was interesting because they all talked about George Pell nude in the change room and he always had the towel over his shoulder. Yep. And he was just exposing himself to young boys just right from the get-go. And the, and the, and the, I think the pool boss, didn't he say to him at some point, we know what you're doing, don't, just don't come back. That was actually a guy from the Torquay Lifesaving Club that went into the showers, came back and thought, I've been in the shower for 10 minutes and he's George still is still nude with the towel over the shoulder and he's got sort of three boys in the corner. It was, we should say, look, if you need to talk about something like this that you are traumatised by, 131114 is the number for Lifeline. Um, this, this, was covered again on Q&A on Monday night. There was Christina Keneally, the senator, um, who absolutely smashed Tony Abbott mm. and also John Howard and said it was just su- such a disgraceful disrespect to the victims and to the court system. There was the lawyer for the victim uh, who who the court found raped. Oh, yeah. um, there was, um, there was a, a very well-known American Jewish rabbi. There was figures from both sides of politics. It was actually one of the best Q&As I've seen in a long time. And was the mother of the two girls... Yeah, I think her name is Chrissy Foster. Yes. Um, I mean, she is just, just she asked, so She impressive. asked the, the saddest question I, I, I've ever heard. I mean, it was just... It was a very, very moving account. But And someone even hashed, you know, did a tweet... Um, isn't it funny? It seems to be falling on right and left. But the, I mean, Miranda Devine, Andrew Bolt, not surprised, and they were all played on Media Watch. But then they played the John Sylvester, who's a friend of mine, article on Media Watch. And I must say, I was surprised by the case he made, although it did sound quite quite a credible case for how there was no. Um, it was done in a short time frame, and there was no evidence of grooming. Well, because I I really respect and like. John Sylvester's articles, when someone told me that he'd written an article like this, I really wanted to read it. And he does lay out, you know, a very technical and quite a good case, which is the burden of proof, whether or not you agree with it, has changed for cases of sexual assault. And people, cases like this require less of a burden of proof, generally, than other types of crimes. But we we, none of us know what that individual said in the closed courtroom, his evidence Except must have that been... that he was a very credible witness. Yeah, he must have been, been so convincing that yeah. he convinced a full jury when before it was a hung jury in the last trial. So, I mean, we, we don't know. And so. I guess Sly's argument was that it's very rare and almost never happens that one witness is able to be an entire case of, but, of, that, of that size. My friend um, Shane Healy, who is now used to run 3AW and is now the runs the media for the Catholic Church in Victoria and who, in fact, was married by George Pell. I spoke to him last week. He was in the court when the um, decision was announced and uh, about when they actually put him into jail. And he just said it was the strangest feeling. This, I mean, you can imagine how, you know, devout Catholics must oh. be feeling. He said sitting there, he didn't tell me. He didn't make a, take a position on whether he thinks he's guilty or not. He just said, I, I honestly never thought I would live to see the day. Imagine being George married Pell. by him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you take your ring off? Well, well, well I mean, I, I, they, Shane and his wife Bernadette are still very devout, devout Catholics, and I've spoken to Bernadette about it, about she obviously is horrified by mm. what has happened in her church, but she's still a she still has her religion, and you can sort of respect that too. Well, you even. don't have to drop your religion because of... Because of no, their, but they're but, so. I mean, your average Catholic is so devastated by what has gone on in their church, and will it ever be repaired? And the case was made really well. The systemic um, rot for, for celibacy being such a massive issue, and, and in the end, this is a this is an organised, yeah. wealthy, all powerful religion that doesn't allow more than half the population to be priests. And uh, where's I mean, where's the Vatican come out? I'm just waiting for them to come out and make a comment on George Pell. It's an, I mean, utter, it's an utter disgrace. They are just sitting on their hands. It's a debacle. How much better would women be as priests anyway? <laughs> now, from the sublime to the ridiculous, Anna, let's just lighten things up a bit. Marie Kondo, she's taken over our lives she, ever since January. She, there's nothing Marie doesn't do. My husband now does the condo <laughs> dance. Condo, condo, condo. <laughs> round the house. Will I keep it? Will I throw it? Does it bring me joy? There's been so <laughs> So many people coming into the op shop, handing over their lovely possessions, saying they don't spark joy. 
they used to just say, here's some stuff I want to chuck out. <laughs> but do they spark joy for you, for the op shop, or are oh, they, is they it crap? Are, no, they're sparking. No, we're, no. People, are you joking? Have you seen Ben Duana's house lately? <laughs> she has some of the most beautiful things in that house. You're doing well, Anna. Doing very well. No, people are just, they're not just throwing out their rubbish. I think they're just thinking, my God, I'm just decluttering my life. And if that yep. means just two lovely jackets, not 20... All the better for the op shop. So, no, there's, there's, it's been incredible. Have the you, condo effect is really. Have you got any on. tales of recent weeks or months? Look, my only tale is actually uh, the tale of my sister's op shop. She also works for the Sacred Heart Mission in another shop. She was working on Saturday. A man came up and said, My girlfriend loves op shops and I want to propose to her in your op shop today. Oh, no. no, I'm serious. Romance at the op shop. Romance at the op shop. Drew said he opened up the box with a really decent sized sparkler and said, <laughs> can you put that in your jewellery cabinet? And Drew's shop prides themselves on their jewellery. Penny yeah, does the most incredible yeah. job. So You've got great accessories at here. Beautiful jewellery. I love it. Yeah. Yep. So the ring went in the box in the jewellery cabinet. The woman was just foofing round in the coats. And anyway, so Drew got everyone away. He got the bride-to-be up to the um, counter. counter. And Drew was tense, thinking, imagine if she just says, oh, God, no. Or, <laughs> oh, geez, <laughs> yeah, the ring's rubbish. Or, what a great idea. So, But no one else, I mean, obviously the shop people knew. No one else knew. The shop was chocker. Anyway, I think he got down on bended hand and knee. He asked, she cried, screamed yes, whole shop went mad. Can you imagine? They had to get the champagne out of the fridge, two glasses from the oppie. They had champagne in the fridge. They already had champagne. No, Jew, Jew had champagne in the fridge because oh, there's always... That'll spark joy. Yeah. <laughs> but Drew said the funniest thing was, you'd imagine afterwards they'd be busting out of the shop, going home to ring mum. Guess what? I'm engaged. Drew found her over in the homeware section. Oh, my gosh. She kept having a look at some cushions. <laughs> that's an op shop devotee. So I reckon that's a pretty good op shop. So Where romantic. did you get engaged? At the op you shop. You need to profile them on the website or something. No, don't worry. I think a photo, from this? a photo has been taken and, um, you know, they've got the big tick to put it on the Insta. I mean, oh, how funny. A scoop for Don't Shoot the yeah, Messenger. So well good. done, Anna. Well done, Sister Julie. Um, now, it's my it's my turn to have a crush of the week. I'm going to change the subject again. Oh. Miss Jane, are we able to play the audio? No, we're not able to play the audio. It was actually in Spanish, Caro, so <laughs> it might not really Surely you could just read Jane, it in Spanish, Caro. My crush of the week is Rafa Nadal because Rafa Nadal – said something about Nick Curios that I completely agree with. And finally, we've got a tennis player of enormous credibility actually pointing the finger at this. What did he say? I hate Curios so much. Yeah. Oh, well, what did, what did Rafa say? He said, look, he's a, he's a player who has enormous talent. He could be winning Grand Slams or fighting for the number one ranking, but he lacks respect for the crowd, the butt I'm putting in. His opponent, I'm, not, I'm telling, obviously, this is what he said through an interpreter. He lacks some respect for the crowd, his opponent, and towards himself. I don't think he's a bad guy, but he lacks a little respect for the public and his rival. I mean, during this game, which Curios ended up winning, Mm. he threatened to quit. He wanted to pull out. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing I think most older Australian sports fans can't be. No tennis manners whatsoever. It's the fact that he pulls out of games when he realises he can't win. But when are we going to stop and realise that he's not going to get better? And, you know, 15 years ago we were saying the same thing about Leighton Hewitt and now we hold him up as no, some we sort of... No, I see, this is, I really disagree with that. Really? We weren't, we weren't saying that about Leighton. Leighton never... tried his guts out. He was just ne- a bit of a brat. He was a, he a, was definitely known as a brat. He was briefly a brat in his younger days, but, but by the time he won out. Wimbledon, he was not a brat. Well, but... and he actually won Wimbledon. So as soon as Kyrgios wins, wins no. a Grand Slam, I'll, I'll let him off. No, I never barracked against Hewitt. I never, I've never barracked against any Australian sportsman until Curios. See, Mum can't even bear the underarm, you know, through the, which he the did, legs. Which he that, did with that Rafa. That just drives my mother mad. She mm. just goes so disrespectful to your opponent on court. So I just thought Nadal nailed it in a, in a subtle... I mean, the lacking respect for the audience, which in the end is who you're playing for, as well mm. as for yourself and also for his opponent, because he did do the underarm serve and he did threaten to pull out. Yeah. But Anna, your man had a big win Look, too, didn't he? Just speaking tennis and crushes, I just think Roger <laughs> won. No, he won his 100th career, career oh, title. Rog. Yeah. Rog, how good's that? I mean, 
He's ranked number four in the world. He's 37. I mean, what's not to like about Rog? I mean, he's got the consummate tennis persona, beautiful manners, obsessed with Rod Laver. Mm. And he's such a dork, which I love. And don't you love the fact that he's got the twins and the slightly daggy wife? Yeah. With good jewellery, I'll grant you that. Drew's always on about uh, her jewels. But no, I just, everything about Roger, he loves coming to Australia. I reckon he could have been the other flip side crush of the week. All right. Well, a hundred career wins. An enduring wins. crush. Mine, yours was a positive crush. Mine's a negative yeah. crush. But I, I stand by my crush. Fair before, enough. Before we move into BSF, just on books, Rose, um, star of the recent book pod. Um, talking <laughs> what was your book, Rose, that you talked uh, about? We did Jane Harper, The Lost Man. Jane Harper's latest, which you'll be happy to hear, Brendan finally finished after getting. Well, I feel bad because I did bag Dad a lot for not finishing it in the podcast, and then we ended up listening to it together in the car. We listened to it together in the car, and (laughs) Rose said, um, "FYI, (laughs) GLT, heads up, I'm about to bag you." He finished it, he loved it. Yeah, no, I now have it to read. It's It's really good. It's really good. I mean, we won't talk about it because you've done on the podcast, but. Mm. I loved it. Really good. Just, Unsurprised. Just quickly, I mean, my um, shop find another Mary Stewart, no. my brother Michael. No, the one oh, I lent you. Did you enjoy it? I, I've got about that much, you know, a centimetre to read. And because I've had this horrible sinusy head cold, I thought I want to enjoy every moment of stumbling over every, you know, Delphi rock, oh, every sniff of a rosemary bush. Greece? Oh, no, I actually Googled Delphi. Uh, there's nothing I don't know about it. it. It looks incredible. It's only two and a half hours out of Athens. Yep. Why, weren't, why wasn't I on a bus last year? There you go. <laughs> the Oracle. They had, you know, um, Sybils yep. talking about the Trojan War. Every single thing you loved about classical studies. It started at Delphi. It's um, there's something about those early '60s travel oh, logs by Mary Stewart and the plucky brilliant. heroine this time oh. is pluckier than ever. And the cover, I mean, you could frame that book cover. It is the most fabulous '50s art. And along the bottom, it's got her other book. You know, a sort of thing for her other book. Madam, will you talk? Which is yeah. a, which is another favourite. Which, is, which yeah. I also, which um, my mum Jewel, as we all, Julia has actually scarped and taken home because she wants to read it again. Now, um, Rose, you've both got a book, but Rose. Have you got a recommendation for us? Uh, is this Sally Rooney, Normal People? No. Yeah. no. Snap. Snap. Same book. Same book. Oh, you're Same joking. Book. Who knew? Oh, well, that's good. You can, both, you can both talk about it. You first, Anna. Look, I didn't do a book review. I just wanted to say I've just finished it and I absolutely loved it. It's good, isn't it? It's got this, for me, a little bit of a sort of Salinger catcher in the rye yep. feel about it. Yeah. I love the subject matter. I mean, I just thought it was witty, it was warm, it was intelligent. It's a book about an on-off relationship. It's about sort of male fragility. It actually got, covers quite a lot. I know, of, and for a story that could be in someone else's hands, just a bit of a simple yeah. heard-it-all-before tale of, you know, kind of star-crossed lovers, yeah. one's rich, one's, one's poor. poor. But she's such a good Do you know Sally Rooney, Mum? She's Irish and she's 27. And I've never heard of this book. she's taken the world by she's storm. She's 27. Yeah, she's and her huge. first book, I think, was called Conversations with Friends. Correct. I haven't read it. But this book, I was just looking up, it won the 2018 Costa Prize for Best New Novel. Mm. It's Even the cover's gorgeous. It's sort of two lovers in a can of sardines yeah. with the, the top being peeled back. It's and it's and it's really sad, and it deals with yeah. a, with a lot of lot themes of and sort of Irish politics and sort of growing up with or without and and it's not linear. So it, you know, one minute you're here and then it's three months on and five weeks back. So you jump around, but it's so they start off in the the same high school in the small Irish town. Then they go to Dublin, um, Trinity College, Dublin. So you get all of that bright lights, big city, and then it goes from beyond. But, Rose, I was laughing. I was crying. Were yep. you the same? Yeah. No, really loved it. And we did conversations with friends for my oh. other um, book club, and everyone loved it, but we all agreed this was even better. Oh, really? Okay. So would you recommend both of them then? Definitely. So this one is Normal People by Sally Rooney. And her first one, if you want to start, is was a conversation is with conversations friends. Conversations with friends. It's, I, know, I mean, she's 27. Mm. She looks about, I mean, you know how all young people look young to us. She yeah. looks about 15 <laughs> in the photo. I mean, she looks like a schoolgirl. But it's just that the dialogue's just so poignant. You're just there. It's not clunky. Yeah. 
I really loved it. I powered through it. Speaking of beautiful young Irish people, that actress, Rose, she looks so like you. I saw a preview of a film oh, she's sure. about to be in. Yeah. Um, Ronan, what's her oh, first name? Oh, is this um, Saoirse Ronan? Yes. Saoirse Ronan, yeah. She is the image of you. A few people I've always have actually told me that. Oh, Rose. Yes. Do you never see it for yourself? But, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely Caro, was she in Lady Bird? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Could and, have been you, yeah. And I, and I remember seeing Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, she was, she in was Brooklyn, really good in Brooklyn. Yeah, which I saw with but our friend Katie. And Katie said to me, it was Katie who pointed out, she said, oh, my Lord, she looks so like Rose. But wasn't she also the younger sister in the Kira Knightley Atonement? She yes. was. See, I think, I think that was when one of her. When she was about eight years yeah, old. And so yeah. she was the one that found them in the library. Yeah. Remember, and it all... Yes. Spiraled from there, and, and she and dobbed told, on them. She yeah. dobbed on them yeah. and had to live with it for the rest of her life. Yeah, and Vanessa Redgrave. Jane's googling her. her now. She's got Google oh, no. images up, she's and she's compl- giving no. me a bit of a skeptical look. She's in it. No, she's, in a film. she's got dyed hair there. When she has hair more like roses, I trust you. She's in. Yeah. I saw a preview of something. Anyway, I did mm. see a preview of the new Michael Caine, Michael Gambon movie. Anna, you've seen the movie. It looked fantastic. Look, sad to say, Caro, I wish. Oh, I'm just trying to find. Oh, What's it, is it called? Sorry. Dirty. It's called King of Thieves. King of Thieves. That's and it. it should have been fabulous. It's got a great cast. It's a true sort of story, heist film, set in London. I mean, what's not to like? Why, why, why <laughs> was it a major cinematic disappointment? Bum, Chris, bum. Yep. Da, da, da. Oh. Chris and I went last Thursday on a mini break. We thought, yep. We're going, we're going to the first session at the Sorrento Cinema. There were only two other people in there, admittedly. So disappointed. It's got an all-star cast featuring Sir Michael Caine. He is 85, and remember that, 85, because that's pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Gambon, Tom Courtney, Jim Broadbent, who was good, and a rather young spring chicken in Ray Winsome, who I love. <laughs> and the story, just very quickly, it's a crew of retired crooks who successfully pull off a major heist in London's jewellery district called Hatton Gardens, and then greed and jealousy sort of tear them apart in the aftermath of the robbery. So you'd think this is going to be fabulous, but so why doesn't it work? First of all, the old codgers are just too bloody old. Oh, really? There's no magic. There's no energy. I think they were flat chat remembering their lines. So (laughs) there there was no sort of oomph between them because everyone just had... I don't know. You know when it just something just doesn't work from the get-go? I mean, that's 85. Old. Well, Clint Eastwood must be. Oh, but who would have seen The Mule except well, for my husband? Yeah, well, some yeah. people said it was quite good, no. but they're, no, they're just, I've heard, it's just I've awful. heard mixed reviews. No, just awful looking at them. They're all so old. It needed, <laughs> it's a bit of no, age shaming going on I'm sorry. On here. It is an ageist thing to say. It also needed a major edit, tedious storytelling, lame jokes, and even worse, minder-like dialogue. Everyone was gov and everyone spent the whole time at horrible pubs doing nothing. It was just really boring. And it was sort of stuck in cinematic no man's land. It wasn't funny enough to be a comedy, nor was it dramatic (laughs) enough to be a thriller. So, you know, those sort of movies, you're laughing in the beginning. And then was there the great twist at the end, like in all those heist movies? No, that was the worst thing. It just fizzled out. So, as I said, in the end, we just didn't care. And if I had to give it my star rating, I'd say not even on an international flight. Oh, that is a great review. Don't (laughs) see King of Thieves. I feel bad for Michael Caine because he looked exactly like my father, but no. I oh, did. He mm. did look like your yeah. dad, didn't he? Oh, for always. always, always. I kept thinking, was that what dad would have looked like now at eighty-five? But no, it was just, it was just tragic. No, um, Anna, you're really starring today because you also have a recipe, which is very good news. Because Rose and I, even though we didn't end up camping overnight, we had camp food all weekend. No, so. well, look, this is not a recipe. <laughs> Yuck! This isn't a recipe I've done recently, but I was thinking, what will I do? And it is really divine. It's long grains duck salad. Remember long oh, grain? Yum. Yeah, that great. Um, I think it's still Thai, going. Thai restaurant Thai, in yeah Asian restaurant in, in Melbourne and Sydney. Yep. And it's really easy. First of all, a bit like jugged hare, first catch the hare. Um, first buy a Vietnamese or Chinese roasted duck. Head to Victoria oh. Street. You know, go to well, Victoria Street, Richmond. Yeah, Too everything's easy. in Victoria Street. So you can but go and get the duck, get it chopped up, you know, yep. as they chop it up. And also get what I call duck juice. 
Oh, um, yeah, they give it to you in the little In the sort container. of, yeah, and it looks a bit fatty, but it's actually yummy. Dark juice. No, well, you know, it's sort of, it's like, not gravy, but like it's stock. what they cook. Yeah. Stock. Mm. Thank you, Caro. Duck stock. That's the word I'm looking for. Duck juice. So very quickly, and it's an easy <laughs> recipe, two spring onions shredded long ways, cup of coriander, rogue element coming up, light cheese. Ten, oh, no, like in duck curry. Yes, 10 lychees peeled. I mean, a bit fiddly, but you will get them obviously at your Asian grocery. Grab them in a, in a can. You could get them in the can. Oh, anyway. Look, yeah. lychee juice. Lychees are good. I mean, they add that rogue element to it. Mm, okay. Three shallots finely sliced. Bear with me, Caro. Four Lebanese cucumber, julienne, a centimetre of ginger, julienne, and a sprinkling of toasted sesame seeds. I'm into this. So, yeah, it sounds So yummy. it's really simple and easy. Then you've got the sauce, which is 100 mils of the duck stock, <laughs> 50 mils of the yellow bean paste, you know, from your Asian yep. uh, grocery, 50 mils dark soy, tablespoon caster sugar, two tablespoons hoisin sauce, and one tablespoon Chinese black rice wine vinegar, also from the... Asian, Asian grocery, yeah. where we're clearly going to buy the totally. ingredients for this recipe. And one drop of sesame oil. Oh, um, yeah. You've got to, so be, got to be careful. Very careful. It's oil. like the essence of terror. One drop's <laughs> all you need. <laughs> um, so what you do is just put it all on a serving platter with the shred. So you shred the duck, keeping the skin on because that's obviously the best bit. So just shred it or chop it finely. So arrange that artfully on the um the duck. Yeah. yeah, on the platter with everything else. Then you just whisk the sauce ingredients, pour that over the top. So you serve it. It's a bit of an entree or I've served it with rice and long green snake beans as a main course, you know, Yum. in a box or a little bowl. It's rich. It's really yummy. JB requested it for his 21st. It's, I mean, you wouldn't be doing it every day of the week because you have to or go and get Or even with noodles, that. maybe. Noodles would be gorgeous. Or, or you could do more um, Asian greens. But mm. it is quite nice with a little bit of rice. The, the juice, you know, the, the sauce is divine. It keeps... And it's really yummy. Oh, and bang for your buck! Um, thank you for reminding us of that recipe. I know. Miss Jane is pointing out that we can get lover duck in most major supermarkets yes. if you're not in the big city. So you can you can obviously buy the roasted duck yeah. in various different it, it just, versions. Yeah, just get your duck and just chop it up or shred it finely. I mean, it's very rich that duck meat, so you mm. don't need much. So you can put lots of other stuff with it to keep it, you know, extended out. Um, Anna, you've just absolutely starred in BSF, and I think it's hysterical. <laughs> I asked you both to recommend a book, and you've recommended oh, the same book. I know. And we didn't to, even, um, yeah, we had no idea. <laughs> totally spontaneous. I'm very, very impressed. Now, I'm grumpy. Oh, what are uh, you grumpy about, well, Caro? I, well, I was still, I was, I'm still grumpy about the Oscars. I got even grumpier oh. over the weekend doing lots of long drives, listening to more, yet more film reviewers rave about if Bill Street could talk, which was, as I keep saying, the most boring, slow-moving film I've seen in years. But that's not what I'm really mm. grumpy about. I'm grumpy. Retrospective it, grumpy on I'm, Bill Street. She needed to give it another bash. Oh, saying how worthy it was and how Green mm. Book was condescending. She was crapping on about it in the car so much yeah. that I said, Mum, just call up the radio because they were talking about Carl it. Carl Quinn was w. now I said, let it out. It. Yeah. Just Both call up, they'll let you through. Saying how it should have won, done, won an Oscar. I mean, it's a joke. The actress who won the Best Supporting Actress yes. deserved to win. But anyway, another retrospective, true grumpy, AFLX. The longer it goes away, the more angry I am about the amount of money. Each of the captains getting $50,000. Sorry, Anna, but it could have gone to Tasmanian footy. Oh, totally. Um, the fact that, in you know, now that the JLT pre-season of the AFL has started, you it has actually done what I thought was impossible. It's made JLT look positively <laughs> exciting. Don't worry. Mum tuned in on Saturday or so, Sunday Arvo, whenever yeah. it was. And yeah. aren't we all relieved that Dusty, the slight know. false alarm, but he's all right. Mm, um, scans last yesterday, oh, though. I know, and then now Caddy might be. Anyway, that's another. Caddy's um, ankle, I know. Th- that's yeah. another issue. But... What what really annoys me about AFLX is that the people who defend it keep saying it's not for you, it's not for you, it's for young people. Do you realise that eSport clubs now have bigger memberships than AFL clubs like Richmond and Collingwood? I'm sorry, since when did Do the they? AFL follow and not lead? With the obesity numbers we have in this country and around the world, it is damn irresponsible to be trying to copy esports, which is something you sit watching in your chair and is not really a sport at all. But it did is you quite... know one person who actually watched 
AFLX. Yeah. No, the ratings were. They said the ratings were okay. They were. Oh, they I were don't pretty know one dismal. person. I think it was. No three, one's commented on three hundred and something thousand Australia Australia wide. Yeah. I mean, I tuned in for about one second to see how Jack Revolt was going yeah. and to make sure he didn't get injured. Yeah. And I'm happy his team won and all that money went to Maddie's vision. But I, I'm just disgusted that as an organisation that has always led in big social issues, it is following, following a horrible fad that it should be trying to eradicate. What it should be doing is realising that club culture is what people will follow in the AFL and not this ridiculous AFLX. So that's what I'm grumpy about. Fair enough. Good grumpiness. Um, Time for six quick questions. And Anna, I think um, I'm starting you're off, going to kick it off. I am going to ask you a question, Caro. Um, what is your most memorable Mike Willisy moment, given that he died recently? Yeah, RIP Mike Willisy, who really did, um, he really was a major punctuation mark, wasn't he, in journalism oh. and current affairs in this country? I mean, he's such a famous family, but he was the, the, the beacon. Look, I thought about um, the John Hewson interview in The Cake. Yep. I thought about the drunken episode, <laughs> which was pretty funny. I thought about all those wonderful current affair interviews. But the one I remember, and I must have been quite young, was when he interviewed Jermaine Greer at the height of her sort of feminism fame back in the early 70s, I guess it was, or mid-70s. I don't think I know that one. The sexual tension in that interview was something, I must have been 15 or 16, a sight to behold. And I did read somewhere years later that they did end up having a bit of a fling after that interview. I think he was a fair player, wasn't he, I just remember reading a few marriages. I remember Mm. reading, watching that interview. It was was just charged and that you could just tell they were flirting. Flirting flirting outrageously (laughs) with each other. On a current affair show. (laughs) And he clearly had a complete crush on her and she was being very saucy and naughty. And I think she had more bit of form as well, the old Jermaine. Oh, I think she oh, def- still does probably. definitely got form. Exactly. <laughs> Rosa, we have talked about it, but spoken about it. We know it's going to play a role in New South Wales. Could climate change play a role in the federal election campaign? Do people care enough yet? I mean, I really hope so. I hope so. I don't know, but I think when people are like my grandmother, your mother, are maybe starting to change their minds... Um, then that's oh, got to be changed her mind. Yeah, that's got to be a sign of the times for people in their eighties who have voted liberal all their lives to turn around and say, "No, this is a this is a um, an issue that's going to swing me the other way." Then I think, yes, hopefully it can decide it. And I think what will be really interesting is whether um, Josh Frydenberg will keep Kuyong because Oliver Yates, the climate guy who's challenging him as an independent, if he wins, then that will be massive. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I would have said before summer, I still don't think Australians care enough. But I think after this uh, summer this and summer, the extremes we've seen. Completely. And the fact that we haven't had a normal summer at all. We've had no rain. With And it's been the weather's been frightening. And yet in other parts of Australia. We've had floods and yeah. it's been so tragic. I, oh, I think um, talking to elderly neighbours who have been Liberal voters all their lives, they are, they're still disgusted at Tony Abbott and his climate change denial. Well, let's hope, yeah, yeah Abbott loses too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've got one for you, Anna. Now, this, <laughs> we always laugh when Moomba comes around, don't we? <laughs> Who was your favourite Moomba monarch, Anna? Look, there's been so many, but I think just because Moomba always makes me laugh, I have to go with Zig and Zag, remembering <laughs> that one of them was defrocked as a Moomba monarch after, and I'm, I'm not I mean, making light of it. No, not I making know. light of his terrible behaviour, but it was just funny. I'm sorry. And can we put a poll to the people, yeah. a question to the to the potties? What does Moomba mean? Because really I had heard butt wind, a.k.a. <laughs> fart, which makes the king and queen every year the fart king and the fart queen. No, I, You'd I, heard something else. I, I think Jane Bunn's the Moomba queen this She's year. She's the fart she? queen this yeah, year. Yes, yeah. right, with Archie... Um, Who's the soccer guy? Archie Thompson. Thompson, sorry. I thought it was um, Ricky Ponting, and then I thought it wouldn't be the old Pont. Surely <laughs> he's been it before. Or, but when you look at uh, um, it's an illustrious previous crew. monarchs, my God. It, apparently Robert Morley. Yeah, I was, remember was my, when Robert, Robert Morley. I when mean, he was doing the Heinz, was it Heinz soup ads? He, we must have had an import, and then we went to Urn. You know, we've yeah. had really, we've had some absolute Lou One day. Bert Newton. I, I Could thought, be you, Mark. Ding dong. I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought it meant sort of bum or something. And I thought um, it meant white white man's 
bottom. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I mean, thought it was an Aboriginal word meant to mean yeah. Yeah, that the, they they are they asked um, an Aboriginal elder what a good name mm. would be, and as a joke on mm. all of us. <laughs> They yeah. said Moomba. And a good joke it was. Yeah. Which it was meant to mean, you know, let's get together and have fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that was that was what we were told. Well, let's we hope people write in with a definitive <laughs> answer. Rose? Mum, do you think Julie Bishop would have won an election against Bill Shorten? I do think she would have had the best hope of all the libs. And so I don't think Labor are being facetious when they're agreeing with her now. And I think good on her for coming out and saying it myself. I mean, there's a lot of what Julie Bishop did that I didn't agree with, but I do think that she's right to say that she probably had the best chance. Oh, Isn't it great when politicians retire and they can yeah. suddenly tell you what they really think? The I truth know. serum's oh, there. So I know. Sad. It was, it was There's a, no filter. She, uh, she, she was great. She didn't hold back, did she? No. And I, I mean, noticed she checked on a very small bag, Caro, just like us. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That was. She's a seven k limit girl yeah. as well. Well, Anna, she's so skinny that she, her clothes no. probably <laughs> weigh about half a k each. No, I, I think. She, look, I, I can't say she would have won, but I I feel that I don't. Scott Morrison is being the great bloke and the great man of the people in a sort of Anna antidote, I suppose, he thinks, to what Malcolm Turnbull was like. But I think Julie certainly had charisma and I think she had she was pretty definitive and I I don't And she think... was clever. She was whip smart and you always felt that. And respected, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would have been a lot tougher for Labor. And look who knows what's going to happen, but I, I don't fancy Scott Morrison's chances. I just think he's hedging his bets on too many things. And why having just seen Lady in the Van and I think you're going to see it this week. I am. But you haven't renewed your MTC, Melbourne Theatre Company, no. subscription. Scandal. I, no. I, look, I, I've just, I'm, I know I'm always bagging the MTC, but I just think it's boring, middle class, just not, just, I don't know, just unimaginative theatre. How did you find the lady in the band? I, I thought it was good, not great. I thought yeah. Miriam Margulls is fantastic. Yeah. It's a very poignant story. Yeah. But it's always good, not great. You don't ever leave thinking, oh, I mean, maybe once or twice, oh, I've seen some fabulous Australian theatre with great new actors and actresses, yeah. incredible set design, great music. It's always important from somewhere else. And I, I reckon we can do better and we need to raise the bar. Yeah, I mean, the the, the lineup rundown this year... Because I was taking Juliana, my stepmother, and I went through the whole year. And obviously, there's certain parts of the year that don't really work for me. But um, I thought, well, look, Miriam Margoyles, who yeah. can go wrong? And I really love the and film. Alan Bennett, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it, look, it was it was good, not great. I mean, yeah. I certainly enjoyed it. I yeah. wasn't sort of bored, wishing it was going to end. No. And I'm looking forward to it tonight. But I thought, no, I'm not doing MTC. I'm going to do different stuff this year. Like Chris and I are going to Burnham Beaches tomorrow for some art installation. At is it Burnham Beaches? You know that yep. house that I think Shannon Bennett yes, owned for a while. It was going yep. yeah. Well, now they're, they're doing. It's part of the Melbourne Arts Festival. We're going up there just for a, an hour of walking around the house. Our friends Rick and Sal got married at Burnham Beaches. Are you joking? Yeah. When it when it was a Nicholas property. Yep, yep. I wasn't um I wasn't friends with them then, so I wasn't at the How wedding. Beautiful. I, I think it was absolutely stunning. It's a sort of Rip and Lee of, you know, yep. up there. Yeah, no, I, I'm, embarrassingly, I don't think I've ever been there. Right. Well, I but thought like Shannon Wilson's Bennett prom. had taken it over and was going to make it into a snazzy restaurant before his life. Yeah, and then and then mm. it, that sort of fizzled. Now, Rose, you've got a GLT. I want to hear about this. Oh, speaking of art installations, yes. and I've been chewing everyone's ear off who'll listen to me for about a month about And I'm this. trying to do that this, this week. I've just heard about it. Well, it's called The Clock. It's showing at Acme and it's free. Mm. It finishes on March 11, but the easiest way to describe mm. it is a 24-hour film that tells the time. So this mm. genius has cut together scenes from thousands of films um, throughout history, and in every scene or shot, someone mentions the time or looks at a clock or a watch. So, And when you see that time, you can look at your own watch and it will tell you the real time. So you start to see these themes that emerge. You know, I went from 6 till 7 p.m. one night, and there's a lot of sort of women waiting for their husbands to come home for dinner and getting a call saying, sorry, sweetie, I'm not going to be home. Or I actually went to the pre-work session one morning. There's a lot of alarm clocks going off. So have you been twice? I've been twice. Because my brother took my nephew, who turned 21 yesterday, they went as just part of a birthday day, and they went at quarter past one And it's in the afternoon. It started with a James Bond at one fifteen. 
the world's going to blow up. Yeah, exactly. And they, Flynn just said it was fabulous. So and go on a Thursday night because it's a 24-hour session. So I went Friday morning and there were about 10 people who had just fallen asleep in there. And No, it sounded like the old Valhalla and, back and Anna, in the day in Richmond. And dare I say, free. Oh, F-R-A-A, <laughs> does it get any better? Do it. Rose, mm. did you tell me it builds up to a crescendo at every hour? This yeah, sort of, well, because, you know... How the, incredible! At sort of a few minutes to the hour, all of these scenes are becoming really tense because you're about to get this resolution. And then on the hour, it's just, you know, millions of clocks going off and cuckoo clocks and explosions. Tara, and can you go on Thursday? Well, Trains I'm, leaving the station. I'm actually, I'm actually going, in, intending to go this week. So I'll have a look. Well, I'll, it's I'll, only on till the 11th. So yep. if we don't go before pre-wedding. Okay. All right. Let's, let's try I'm, and make I'm a date. I'm thinking Thursday because Wednesday I've got my Burnham Beaches. Oh, you've, Tonight I've got MTC. I'm just the culture vulture. <laughs> hey, girls, it's been so enjoyable. Thank you for coming in in Corrie's absence. Corrie will be so proud of your performance. <laughs> As I am. Hello, mother of groom. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And, yes, um, a big cheerio to the mother of the groom and to my beautiful godson, Will Carter, who's about to get married, and his beautiful bride, Lib. We'd appreciate if you tell a friend about either of our podcasts. Please get in – well, this podcast, Don't Shoot the Messenger. Please get in touch via email, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. You can follow us on Instagram account, on the Instagram account – at Don't Shoot Pod. That's our Twitter handle as well. Hit the sign up button on the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page and you'll receive weekly updates from us. You can also subscribe to our sister podcast, The Book Pod, in which Rose featured recently discussing The Lost Man. And I think you're going to feature again. I know, I've Rose. got to read a rather big book before the next one. You, what won't, is be it, able, you won't be able to put it down. I've read it in a week Middle England. Middle England oh, by Jonathan Coe. Dying yep. to read it. Yep. Yeah, no, most Looks enjoyable. Great. So, yeah, it, uh, it, there's a bit of Joanna Trollop about it, but, mm, but it's okay. A great Save it story. For the pod, a great yeah. story. <laughs> anyway, um, that's coming up. Girls, have a wonderful week. And what do we say? Don't, Don't shoot, shoot the, the messenger. messenger. Hi, this is Leanne Moriarty. Hi, I'm Anne Summers. I'm Jen Harper. Hello, this is Laura Tingle. Hi, I'm Marcus Suzak. I'm David Maher. Join me on the book pod. I hope you can join Corey Perkin and I on the book pod. And I think also people often completely underestimate if something is easy to read, they think that means it's easy to write and it's absolutely not. It's such a skill. Always, no matter how abstract the issue, you have to find the narrative and you have to find characters and around those you build the story. You know, some authors take a decade to write a book. I would miss the meeting the readers. Subscribe to the book pod. Subscribe to the book pod. In your favourite podcast app. Wherever you listen to podcasts.